Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Hooper, one rental at a time. Back to the one and only, and yes, amazing, Annika. Hi, Anna. Hi, Michael. I've been waiting to ask you this question. Uh, you know, we have just left, as Greg Dickerson says, the good times. We've entered the bad times. We're probably in the very beginning certainly the first inning of what could be an extra inning game to use a baseball analogy. It's going to be a while. It could be 12, 18, 24 months, maybe longer. That said, you and I've been through this before and uh, with great pain comes great opportunity. So I'm asking you to look in your crystal ball, which is as broken as mine, but we do have skill and experience to kind of look at where we think some opportunities might arise. So as you look out into the future, where might, where might Anna be placing some bets or, or looking for opportunity? Right. You know, I'm going to continue to place bets where I have placed bets for the last 15 years, right? And that's primarily in providing housing to people because it's a necessity that everyone needs and everyone will continue to need. What that looks like is going to be different for different investors, right? So there, there's a fundamental thing that you have to think about when you're thinking about what's the fundamentals of investments that, that are tried and true, time-tested, never fail, right? And that's when you're in times of economic pain and uncertainty, people need and will prioritize their money for four things, food, energy, transportation, and shelter. Shelter and food being one and two, energy being number three, transportation in this world may be a number four, right? If you can work from home, but people need a roof over their heads. And so there's always going to be people. There's always going to be a demand for housing. While I have money and opportunity to invest in other things like self-storage buildings or energy funds or ATMs or warehouses, all kinds of commercial stuff, I really stick to residential housing and multifamily housing. It's all housing to provide homes for people that people need. So if you look at that as a foundational fundamental of economics, people will always buy what they need at sometimes they'll quit buying what they don't need. Then in times of uncertainty, I want to be providing people what they need and that's housing. So the next thing is, um, where is their opportunity, right? Where is there always going to be a demand for housing that's going to allow me to actually make a profit for providing housing for people. So I need to be in markets and areas in the country that also provide a lot of necessities, provide good jobs, provide good schools, have low crime, because that's going to keep people moving to those areas in search of that quality of life, that good job, that low cost of living. So if I can find markets that have a lot of job growth, companies still coming into those markets, even heading into a recession, the, the local areas pouring into infrastructure for growth, pouring into the schools, you know, for good education, those markets is where I'm going to have the best opportunity to provide housing. So I don't look at, I don't look at this time in the period in, in history, Michael, and say, should I shift what I buy? I, I look at this time in history and say, what things are going to give me long-term success as a real estate investor? 
weather economic storms and what markets am I going to look in that are going to give me the best chance of continued thriving in that particular market, even if there's a deep recession, even if there's some kind of major you know, economic crisis or crash like we had in 2009. So I am honing in even more on daily discipline to look at any opportunity that comes up, whether that's single family houses, small multi-units, large multi-units, in those big markets that I believe strongly in are going to give me the best chance of providing housing, always having an influx of renters, always having an ability to control my rents, right? More conservative states that aren't going to stick rent controls in there. Financially stable cities that don't have to raise taxes like crazy to get things to continue to run. Um, and so I look at opportunity as what markets do I want to be in? Now, let me just continue to look at deals and say, okay, does this deal make sense in this market? And can it help me move the needle on my financial goals? If I need cash flow and that's my number one financial goal, I need to replace my income. I'm not going to do value add deals that are going to take three, four, five years for me to make that big payday, right? So if you need cash flow, focus on the smallest property you can find or the largest property you can find that's going to actually cash flow in really, really, really good markets that can weather some ups and downs and values, weather a little bit of economic uh, vacancy, people not being able to pay for a while, and hold those assets as long as you can. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, because this is something Olivia and I are talking about, and that is potentially upgrading our portfolio quality, yes. right? So we have C and B class single family homes that we've owned for a long time, lots of equity. Uh, what you know, again, as we talked about, I think in video number two, there's there really is a crash in kind of quote unquote luxury, which to use monopoly analogy, boardwalk and park place. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we're playing with, and we may do this once to see how it works out, is we could. You know, we could you, you remove a tenant from one of our units, doll it up, sell it to a first-time home buyer, and then 1031 exchange that equity into, uh, you know, a, potentially a new build. And, um, you know, that's something we're looking at. So, you know, what do you think of something like that? Yeah, I think, you know, this is where I come back to to what are your financial goals, right? And what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? And I did basically the same thing, Michael. So over the last two years, because I believed we're at the top, some of them I sold a little early, right? In hindsight, um, in 2020 or 2021, but I sold properties that, that served me really well for 15 to 20 years. They were mm -hmm. bought to be that cash cow. We put in so much sweat equity, you know, because we didn't have very much money. So we bought you know, rougher properties, maybe C properties in a B area. And we said, listen, we think that the market where it is, is such that the values of these properties could go down a little bit, or they're going to need a lot of work. They're going to need the next decade of value add and a lot more money. So are they really serving my, my financial goals the best? Well, if I wanted to just focus on cash flow, which was my goal the first decade, right? Right. Now my cash flow needs are met. So I'm willing to wait and have some growth and appreciation on properties that aren't as much of a pain to deal with, whether the tenant's going to suffer financially because of what's happening in the markets or whether they need a lot of work. And so we sold about half our personal portfolio and then we bought into nicer, newer. Now for my area, because I'm near, I'm in Pennsylvania, I'm in central Pennsylvania, a lot of the buildings were built in the 1900s, 1910s, 1920s. Wow. And so a lot of my four unit properties that I started out buying 
were built from 1900 to 1920. So over time, they're going to have a lot of more things go wrong with them. So I sold a bunch and traded up into buildings that were built 1980 or newer. So still, that would be considered a class C by age, but I've upgraded those to class A like in a class A to B market. And so I traded up. What's interesting, though, is my cash on cash return on those deals is actually a little less than what it was on my older portfolio. But the lifestyle that it gives us, the ease of ownership, the ease of management and the appreciation over time because they're quality assets that I'll be able to have a buyer at the snap of my fingers if I need to sell, made it worth it to me personally to do exactly what you're talking about, even though my cash flow on those particular deals is actually a little bit less. Yeah, and they would be for us as well. It would be less cash flow or yield in my speak, but you know, less headaches, right? That's the trade-off that we have the luxury of making after you know twenty years of doing this. Absolutely. And then the last last thing to talk about with you is you know something you've bought recently or some waterfront Airbnb units. Yes. Uh, I'm going to guess you're not really in the market for those when rates are now seven and a half, eight, eight and a half at the legacy price points. But I do wonder. Right. If you find an agent or uh, you know a neighbor that comes to you and says, "On, I own this thing free and clear. I want to sell. I'll sell or finance it to you at some much better rate." Uh, I'm going to guess that would be a deal you would at least look at doing. Absolutely, and that and I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I've been thinking about too. Is when you talk about where's opportunity, right? If you having an a a mortgage that's below four percent. Today is an asset, right? Agreed. It's Agreed. the mortgage itself is an asset because it's so much better than the rates today. So if I can get into a property with seller financing, because I have the view to the long term, I'm going to hold these things. Anything I buy, I say I'm I'm only buying it if I'm going to own it at least a decade. At least that's Me my too. plan with it, right? Ten and years, so yeah. if we're at the bottom or getting close, we're going to have a whole decade for values to come back up. So I know. I might even pay full price today, knowing that my value could fall 10%. If I can lock in an interest rate for, you know, 20 or 30 year interest only even better, because I know over time, I can always refinance that thing if and when rates fall. I don't know if we'll ever get two and 3% rates again. Um, But, but if I can get lock in a mortgage, my, one of my ocean fronts, I have a 2.6% 30 year fixed mortgage on. I'm guessing you're not in a rush to sell that one. I'll never sell that property, right? There's there's no way. But if I can get into deals with seller financing, I can pay a higher price in markets where people are like trying to really lowball owners and say, you care about price, I care about terms. Give me an interest-only mortgage. Let me have it for five years. Give me time to ride any ups and downs and be able to refinance at hopefully a better rate within five years. I'll do a lot of those deals all day long because historically oceanfront properties in just about any market hold their value. They may go down 10, 15%, but they come right back up 10, 15%. But the rental income, good, bad, and ugly times, people are going to, if people are going to go to the beach, Michael, they're going to pay a little more to have oceanfront. They're not going to buy the in a neighborhood across the street where they have to walk. Yeah, I'll just give you a real example of something I'm working on. There's so there's a decent property in my market that's listed at at let's call it 460. That's wish pricing. That was yesterday's pricing. I think today it's worth 400, right? So there's that. Uh, and it's in a condition where it, you know to bring it up to par, it probably needs 100k of work, right? Okay. To bring it up because it's just well lived in. So what I asked an agent to write up two offers, 
And I don't think, you know, the, the, this is not to get a yes answer day one. It's to plant flags and see where the owner is at. Yes. I gave him a 205 cash offer. Wow. And I said, you know what? I'll pay 400, which I, again, I think is market, uh, but I'll give you 10% down. So 40 K cash. And then you have to carry an owner, uh, you know, seller carry for 30 years at a thousand bucks, which is obviously if you do the math, 0% interest. Again, I don't expect either one to be a yes answer, but we're going to find out which one is closer and right. we can have a, a discussion. So again, I, I, I'm going to be writing two offers a lot more often than I did the last couple of years. Cause Hey, if you want cash, I have a number, we're probably not going to like it, but if you really need cash, here's a number, but Oh, by the way, I would much rather use my cash efficiently, which I would consider 10% down efficient, uh, and buy a, a solid asset. And then I won't do an owner carry less than 10 years. I've done one at five years on a, an apartment building and it reset at the wrong time. Thankfully it all worked out, but damn, that, that was a scary 90 days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, usually f five, five years doesn't normally bother me too much. I mean, it can, again, part of it's because I've built a, a different level of, of wealth and liquidity to be able to handle those things today than I would have years sure. ago. But sure. generally speaking, if you look back at, at the deepest recessions, the longest recessions are generally about 18 months with a two-year recovery period. So that sure. gives you four years to get into recovery where values may not be as high as where they are right before a recession, but credit is starting to get easier and interest sure. rates are going lower because the Fed needs to stimulate us out of a recession. So coming in now... I think five years is probably enough for me. I'm always going to ask for 10 and I do. Right. But if yeah. they're like 10 is way too long, I'll do two. I'll never take two. When I did my beach house in the pandemic, I said, I want five. And here's why. If the pandemic is the deep, deep recession and it takes us four years to get out of recession and recovery, I can't promise you I can refi out until five years from now based on history. And if you explain that to them, they're like, okay, you really know what you're talking about. But I said, listen, if I can refi early, I will. And I paid off my second mortgage, my seller finance deal on my beach house exactly two years in because I told him I'd try if I could and the economy gave me what I wanted. But seller financing, creative financing, it's one of the very best times that you can do it in history because when we're at the bottom, that's when the motivated sellers come out. So to your point, you're testing the waters to say, what is their motivation? The agent may not tell you, but if you give them two deals that show different levels of motivation, it's a good starting point. And if you can find why does a seller want or need to sell and you can show them how you can come up with a way to make it a win-win, you have the best opportunity of buying deals than, than just about any other buyer that's just throwing out a standard offer. Totally agree. Anna, this has been so much fun. Thank you for your time today. Where can people find you? Thank you so much. You can find me at my website, reimom.com. You can find me on social media at Anna Kelly, REI Mom. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.